darlings, what could be classier than ham sandwiches, mud, and a string bikini made out of seashells? Anything and everything. You've read the blog? Now hear it straight from the source. This is Snork, the podcast with Anita Rosner. I was watching The Preakness on television this past weekend, and it reminded me of the year that I went to see it in person. And let me tell you, friends, that was a true, full-blown snork experience. However, before I share that tale with you, I have an exciting announcement. On last week's show, we talked about the five stages of grief associated with giving up gluten. Well, from the feedback we've been receiving, it's clear that many of you are in that very same boat. And because of that podcast, a gluten-free bread company called Bread Empire is sponsoring today's show. Whether you're gluten-free or just love the taste of fresh-baked cheesy rolls from your own oven, Bread Empire's Buddha Bread is what you're craving. Packaged frozen, Buddha Bread bakes up in just 15 minutes. These buttery-tasting, gluten-free cheese rolls are crunchy on the outside, soft and doughy on the inside. Pure enlightenment with every bite. Visit breadempire.com to order or to find a retailer near you. That's bread-empire.com. And listen to this. Enter the coupon code SNORK at checkout to receive 20% off your online order. Thank you, Bread Empire. Now, on to the subject at hand, horses. I grew up in New York's Capital District, and every year we looked forward to the season, as it was called, in Saratoga, when the raceway was in full festive swing. So when I had the opportunity to attend the Preakness, which we all know is a Triple Crown event, wild horses couldn't have kept me away. Here's the story of what happened on that particular spring afternoon in Baltimore. It's called Horsin' Around. I hope you like it. Summers in my heyday included weekend trips to Lake George, sunbathing in Grafton Park, and the much-anticipated Saratoga racing season. Spending the afternoon at the flat track wasn't just a day at the races, it was an event. Every year I'd plan what I'd wear, how much money I was willing to bet, and no trip to the track was complete without going dancing afterwards, late into the night. Let me break it down for you. First, let's go over proper attire. Sure, plenty of people show up at the track in cutoffs, sneakers, baseball caps, etc., etc., Schlemiels. Well, not this girl. No, sir. For my companions and me, half of the fun of going to Saratoga was in the dressing up. Sundresses, big hats, heels, Jackie O sunglasses, leather clutch, pearls. You get the picture. And now let's talk about that after party. Before heading out to the track, my friends and I would each pack bags full of our evening clothes and throw them into the trunk of my car. After the last race of the day, we'd go into town for dinner, and then at about 9 o'clock, we'd get into the backseat of my car, change into our 
disco clothes and head to a club called The Rafters. The Rafters was located in the middle of Cater Ross Park near Saratoga Lake, and every time I pulled into that parking lot, I was amazed that I found my way there. Remote doesn't begin to describe it. It was a favorite hangout for all the jockeys and trainers. Now, at the risk of sounding braggy, let me just say that I was a most sought-after girl at the rafters. Why? Well, it could be because I was A, young and beautiful, B, an accomplished and enthusiastic dance partner, or C, the shortest woman in the room. If you guessed D, all of the above, you would be wrong. The answer is C. At 4'11 and 92 pounds, I made every jockey feel like a colossus. I won't name drop, but I did dance with all the greats. (coughs) Angel Cordero. I'd hit the dance floor and stay there until the lights came up and it was time to go home. These were some of the happiest times of my college years. So imagine my excitement when my friend Harris moved to Baltimore and invited a group of us to come down for the Preakness. My first order of business was to buy the right outfit for such a swanky occasion. After a period of careful discernment, I settled on a pastel linen skirt, the fabric of which looked like a Monet watercolor. The blouse was a gauzy trapeze top, sheer, with the exception of two strategically placed pockets if you know what I mean. It was sexy, but tasteful and sophisticated at the same time. For footwear, I selected a pair of gray kitten heels. You see, at the track, there's a lot of walking on grass and gravel, so a low heel really is essential. To round out my ensemble, I chose a straw cloche hat, a la Mia Farrow, a la Daisy Buchanan, a la Great Gatsby. Fast forward to racing day. About 12 of us were camped out at Harris's condo. I emerged from the guest room looking like I was being presented at Buckingham Palace for tea. Harris asks, where are you going? Pimlico, baby, I cheered. Not like that, you're not, he said. Why, what's wrong? He shook his head. You're going to ruin that outfit. We're sitting in the infield. Who's going to what now? I asked. The infield, he repeated. That's where we're sitting. Let me put this in perspective for you. At Saratoga, we'd sit in the clubhouse at linen-covered tables, soaking up air conditioning and cool Saratoga sunrise cocktails. The Saratoga infield was a manicured oasis. Lush emerald grass, accentuated with vibrant flowers and neatly trimmed shrubbery. Through his chuckling, Harris advised, Why don't you go put some shorts and sneakers on, and then you can help us in the kitchen to pack the cooler. The cooler? I retreated back to the guest room and changed into the aforementioned Schlemiel costume, sans backward baseball cap and then reported to the kitchen to help make ham sandwiches for our picnic lunch. When we arrived at Pimlico, we were directed to a tunnel that ran under the track. It was relatively short, but no less hot, humid, or as fragrant as the finest New York City subway station. 
The mob scene on the other side was something like Woodstock meets Honey Boo Boo. The ground was thick with mud, the kind that sucks your shoes off when you walk through it. Drunken revelers staggered all over the place, and the smell of pot wafted from every direction. To give you an idea of the infield dress code, there was a woman in a string bikini made of four seashells and a collection of leather straps. We started referring to her as Shelly. Some people had pitched tents and dug out privies, I swear to God. I wondered how long they'd been there and how long they planned on staying. I didn't see much horse racing that day because I was totally mesmerized by my surroundings. Afraid I'd get lost and end up in some hillbillies encampment, I never left the infield to place a bet. While sitting on a soggy blanket, I drank lukewarm beer from a can and ate sandwiches wrapped in waxed paper. And truth be told, I never had that much fun at the races before or since. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Red. You've been listening to Snork, the podcast, written and performed by Anita Rosner. To subscribe, find us on iTunes. For more information, or to send us your comments, visit snorkfest.com. Snork is produced by Chad Dugatz at Hangar Studios in New York City. I'm Dave McLaughlin. And this one will talk to his voice, his horse. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. I am Mr. Ed.